Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Thursday, 25 August, year of our Lord 2022. Massive breaking news this afternoon. We want to go to Tom Fitton, the head of Judicial Watch. Uh, the magistrate judge made a decision today. Tom, one, can you tell our audience, you and the New York Times and others, but you and the New York Times are the tip of the spear to go in uh, and, and, and want, the, want this document. Walk through what your objective was at the beginning. What is the magistrate's ruling today? Well, in this case, the New York Times followed our lead. You know, we, we leapt to, um, you know, immediate action once we saw this abusive political raid of Trump's home. Uh, we asked for an immediate, uh, you know, we immediately asked for uh, the court to unseal the warrant and the supporting materials. We knew there'd be likely an affidavit. Uh, the Justice Department was forced into release, releasing the warrant initially. Uh, and then the court wanted um, answers from the DOJ about this affidavit uh, discussion and ordered the Justice Department and rejected the Justice Department's efforts uh, to keep this material completely sealed and said, look, there's material here that can be unsealed despite what you're saying. So we're gonna see what's unsealed tomorrow because the court um, has been satisfied that the material they've released uh, is obviously appropriate and the material that they haven't released is also appropriate. And so we'll see what's released and then we'll see if we need to fight more for transparency. It's my position, Steve, that you can't raid a president's home for secret reasons. It's as simple as that. And what's been out there, the modified limited hangout, shows they really have contempt for the court process because they're telling the court, we need secrecy. We don't want anyone to know what we know and who we talk to. While at the same time, they're leaking all of that directly to their media allies. Uh, and... Um, you know, they, they expect us, uh, the American people, to be satisfied uh, with whatever they tell us as they take this unprecedented move, uh, in my view, against a Republican form of government by targeting the president on such specious grounds. Well, the magistrate really agreed with you, at least in the, he said it was unprecedented. Tom, this is not your first rodeo in affidavits and FISA and search warrants. Give us your background and why you're so skeptical uh, and kind of cynical about uh, what the FBI is in this affidavit and what the FBI actually told the magistrate. Well, they lied to spy on Trump, this FBI, this Justice Department, with these FISA warrants. I think, the, what's the count? 17 material omissions uh, or misstatements in those FISA warrants that resulted in the spying on Carter and indirectly on Trump. And of course, there was all sorts of gamesmanship with direct spying on Trump through the FBI. And then, you know, directly, 
we had fought this very issue over Bill Clinton's Sockboard tapes. He kept tapes of conversations that an author had recorded of uh, conversations he had with members of Congress and foreign leaders, which are presumptively classified. And we took the position the Justice Department's now taking, look, he's got these records. The archives should go after them. And the Justice Department came back and they said, if he has those records, they're presumptively personal. And the court found that the president's uh, decision making in terms of presidential versus personal and what he keeps is something that can't be second guessed by the court or the archives. And I saw early on and back in February, they turned on a dime and started pretending that the records the president had at his home were government records and they weren't. And my view, Steve, he should never turn anything over, at least under the, under the rubric that they had which was that these were presidential records and or classified. He should have said, look, these are my personal record. If you want to keep them uh, because you're concerned about security issues or, uh, you know, or you for history, I'm happy to give them to you and voluntarily share these class, the, these personal records with you, but they're mine and I'm giving you to them voluntarily. And that wasn't the approach his team took. And um, lo and behold, he ended up getting raided. Uh, Tom, we actually hang on a second. We're going to go to Boris Epstein. But before I go to Boris, uh, given the um, rapidity of which the judge made the decision today, is in your mind, Judicial Watch, is this at least where we stand until we see the redaction? Is this a victory so far? It is. The warrant typically would never have been released. The uh, affidavit, they did not want to release at all. So uh, we have more information than we otherwise would have. And obviously, we want more transparency. Uh, because uh, the Justice Department really has no good faith reason to hide this from the American people, because as I said, they've been leaking, and uh, the public interest outweighs any interest they have in keeping this material secret. You can't raid a president's home and expect people to be quiet about it and not demand accountability and transparency. And the court, Tom, and the court should recognize that and use its powers as it has to release this stuff publicly. There's nothing under law that requires that any of this be kept secret. This is all discretionary on the part of the Justice Department and ultimately the court. Tom, hang on for one second. I'll bring Boris Epstein in by phone. Boris, give us your assessment. I know you're in important meetings today. Give us your assessment of the drone. Because I think we talked to you earlier. You didn't even th you thought the magistrate might take a couple of days even to decide. Well, give us your update on your thinking. Steve, thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you. I'm honored to be with the War Room Posse today. The the judge obviously had his mind largely made up that that the proposed redactions, you know, un, unless they were overwhelming, as he said before, were going to be what what he approved. We'll see tomorrow. I think it's very tough to judge, you know, to judge and assess as of now, you know, just how extensive this is going this is going to be, uh, and what we'll see in the affidavit. Here's what I will tell you: that what you're going to see in the in the affidavit and the application is ab. Absolutely incorrect as it applies to President Trump because these statutes that were used do not include the only statute applying to President Trump, and that's the Presidential Records Act. The PRA, the Presidential Records Act, is the only statute which has any application at all on dot, 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 presidential records. Well, guess what? The Presidential Records Act also does not have an enforcement mechanism. Because of that lack of enforcement mechanism, what you have here is the GOJ corruptly doing an end around, a circumvention of that act and throwing out these other acts, which do not apply to President Trump in any way, what 
whatsoever. And that is what the posse should expect to see in this affidavit. It, you know, and further than that, this judge likely, and as it appears from his orders, feels that he was either duped, fooled, or forced to sign this warrant. Because this warrant not only applied the wrong statutes, which don't apply to President Trump, it also overwhelmingly likely that the affidavit did not include the multiple instances of full and utter cooperation between the applicable agencies, the archivist, the DOJ, and President Trump and his team. And if that affidavit, if what we see, if the, if the version we see tomorrow does not let it be known for the whole world that there was full cooperation between President Trump and his team and every applicable agency, we will have to assume that that information was not given to the judge and that act of omission was used by the DOJ for the un-American, unwarranted, unnecessary, and unlawful raid and break-in of the president's home, beautiful Mar-a-Lago. I just want to make sure I get this correctly. You're saying that the, the affidavit tomorrow will show one of three things. He was either duped, fooled, or forced uh, to, to, to agree to this uh, search warrant. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what I expect to see because we know for a fact, we know for a fact that there was full compliance and cooperation from President Trump and his team with the National Archivist, with the DOJ, and there was absolutely no need for this unwarranted, unnecessary, and unconstitutional break-in of the president's home. And we know that the DOJ has a long and extensive history of omission and commission in these affidavit and warrant applications. Look at FISA. Look at General Flynn, look at Carter Page, so on and so forth. So again, I fully expect that this affidavit, the application for the warrant, is going, if it is left unredacted enough, will show that this judge should have never signed that warrant. Beyond that, if the, if what we see tomorrow does not fully spell out, and if the DOJ did it, they should leave it unredacted. If it doesn't spell out, that there was full cooperation between President Trump and the DOJ. It doesn't talk about the June 3rd meeting where President Trump said, let us know if we need anything else. If it doesn't have that in there, that means that the DOJ lied to the judge by omitting that vital information. Uh, before we go back to Tom Fenton, uh, Boris, I know you got to jump back in your meetings. Any update you can give us? You're not really a party to today's events, but tomorrow you're making Correct. filings in the Southern District of Florida. Any updates on the filings? Those filings are, are very important, Stephen. What those requests from Judge Cannon are, Judge Cannon, a, a judge in the Southern District of Florida, sits in Fort Pierce. What those are, are requests for supplemental motions. And you're going to see robust information that again lays out that the acts applied in the warrant were wrong, that, that, that spells out why the special master appointment has to go through the district court as it has done, has been done in the Southern District of New York and why this judge, Judge Cannon, has the proper jurisdiction over this case vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Judge Reinhardt, who wrongfully approved that warrant. And you are correct, Stephen. Tom Fitton, you just watched, we're doing a great job on this. The president, who has made his position very clear publicly about Judge Reinhardt and, uh, and the need for him to recuse himself because, A, he's recused himself before, and B, because of his very negative and obviously biased statements against President Trump. President Trump and his legal team are not a party to this motion practice, to these, to these filings regarding the affidavit, the filing for pre, filings for President Trump and his team are to come tomorrow. 
Boris, what's your social media can people can follow you? No doubt about it, Steve. Lots happening. Pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be updating the War Room Posse on President Trump standing up for America, standing up for our Constitution, and standing up for all presidents. This isn't just about President Trump. This is about all presidents and their right not to be railroaded by a politicized, weaponized law enforcement. BorisCP.com is the website. Hot on BorisCP.com. Hot on Getter at BorisCP. On Twitter at BorisCP. Hot on True Social at Boris. And the hottest on the gram, Boris underscore Epstein. Stay strong. God bless. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Boris. My, my beloved father, who just passed away at, at 100 years old earlier this year, uh, was a longtime donor to uh, Judicial Watch and would always tell me, particularly uh, during the Obama years, uh, when Eric Holder, he said, you know, Tom Fitton really runs the People's Justice Department. Uh, and he said, Tom Fitton is the single best man in Washington, D.C. Tom, um, and that's a pretty high, uh, that's a pretty high, uh, remark where I come from. Do you believe, Thank do you, you buy what Boris just said, uh, that, that you're going to see tomorrow with the details in this affidavit that you quite frankly broke free here? The New York Times kind of drafted off you that the magistrate was either duped, fooled, or forced into signing the search, search warrant? Yeah, I don't know, you know, force, you don't really, it's hard to force a judge to do anything. Uh, but when you present material in a dishonest way to the court, and, and this is where I think the breakdown in honesty is going to emerge once this affidavit's released, and it will be released, I think, eventually in large measure, is that um, they told the judge, they told the magistrate, this is this is classified material. These are presidential records. These are government. This is government property. And as I've highlighted, uh, that's that's a disputed legal assertion. And it's one that it is odds with prior Justice Department and archives uh, decision making and the court's decisions previously on this in, in D.C. Amy Berman Jackson, one of the most liberal judges here up in D.C., Found, you know, the archives has no role in determining what records are what. Who are we kidding here? And if they didn't tell the court that there's a dispute here as to whether these are government versus uh, personal records, uh, then then he was due. And but you know, in the end, look, they got a rap, they got away with spying on an incoming president, spying on a president, and I suspect they're willing to do anything because they think they'll get away with raiding his home based on. Uh, a sham reading of the law and dishonesty with the court. I mean, that's the Tom, danger we're in when you don't have this accountability. They'll keep on doing it until uh, until they until they're really held accountable as people demand. Hang on one second. I'll go to a short break. Tom Fitton on the other side. You know what's never good. When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there's been an unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand, end quote. You know who understands the real threat of inflation? People who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting their savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action now. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. 
and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and get the real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on protecting your savings with gold. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, Tom, we got Tom Fitton with us, a judicial Tom, I just want to give people some perspective. You really came, rose to prominence taking on Eric Holder every day, fast and furious. I mean, the battles you had during the Obama administration at Judicial Watch were nothing short of epic. Uh, and now with Garland, walk our audience through it. Compare Obama's Justice Department and, and with Garland. And was there any relief in the in the four years of Trump in the Justice Department, sir? There was some mild relief because of the president's personal commitment to transparency that sometimes forced out the documents, despite the insistence of his own political appointees in the Justice Department, not only under Jeff Sessions, but under uh, uh A.G. Barr. Look, I mean, uh, we were in court earlier this year fighting the the Biden administration over the key document that was used to open up the spying on Trump. The the memo written to himself by Strzok authorizing himself to spy on Trump. Incredible, incredible corruption. And we were fighting them tooth and nail on what gets released. And, you know, I couldn't, the disappointing thing obviously was fighting, but also remembering that we probably would have had the same type of battle with the prior Justice Department. The resting state of the deep state is secrecy. And uh, there has to be a proactive commitment by the president, and we had that with Trump, but also by his appointees to transparency, especially about these matters of corruption. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Justice Department and the FBI uh, can't be trusted to prosecute a jaywalking case, uh, let alone anything sensitive like this. And it's because of this contempt for the people's right to know in large measure, in addition to the corruption that's uh, being covered up with their illicit secrecy. Let me be brutally frank. Uh, The New York Times and other media companies are party to this. But if Tom Fenton in the Judicial Watch, as you often say, had not taken the lead, and been all over this. You essentially shamed them into coming in on this. So this is your baby. What do you anticipate tomorrow in the reaction? And where does Judicial Watch go in this uh, in this endeavor? Well, you know, to where we have information, it will be information designed to make Donald Trump look bad. Uh, so that's virtually guaranteed. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, this is the modified limited hangout approach uh, to disclosure of uh, corrupt government action. Uh, by the Garland Justice Department. You know, it's interesting. They released information essentially accusing Trump of a crime without fully disclosing the other documents they used to justify this raid, which is, again, was unprecedented. And I think eventually what you're going to see is they manufactured a document dispute based on a purposeful and malicious misreading of the law to try to jail, obviously to raid his home, as part of an effort to jail uh, and prosecute him. 
And uh, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And, and my concern about this, Steve, is that, you know, we talk about Ukraine and, and China and such. You know, you got to wonder what the leaders in foreign capitals are thinking when they look at what's going on in this country. It's extremely destabilizing to America's standing in the world because they see a president raid the home of another president. And they recognize that because, you know, many of those countries, that's far for the course. It wasn't supposed to be the, the American way, though, and they must be worried. Our enemies may be looking at us thinking, what are they up to there? And our friends must be thinking, oh, is America falling? Tom, how do people follow you on social media and how do they get to Judicial Watch to learn more about it? And if they're so interested, donate. Yeah, they can go to judicialwatch.org. Uh, we're all over um, social media, despite being banned here and again. Uh, but we're on Twitter, Judicial Watch Tom Fitton. We're at uh, we're on Getter. We're on Truth Social, uh, Facebook and YouTube and Rumble ev everywhere. We're everywhere, Steve. We got to be everywhere uh, because uh, we can't cede any ground to the media and to the big tech and to the left. Uh, because uh, if that were the case, they'd they'd have us all in the you know, the corners of the Internet that no one could ever see. Tom, uh, honored, great work. Uh, looking forward to talking to you tomorrow and uh, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch. And like I said, if it had not been for Tom Fitton and these guys move with alacrity, they are action, action, action. If they had not moved on this, we wouldn't be anywhere. And the mainstream media has been dr drifting and they're saying, oh, yeah, we're fighting for the first minute. It's all crap. They Judicial Watch shamed them. And that's why they're at this. Okay. There's so much to go through. Um, breaking news all over. But one is on the economy. Dave Walsh, I just want to, there's all kind of debates now about what the second quarter was. Is a less recession? You know, we did a big economic analysis today. In the 6 o'clock hour, we're going to go through with Dave Bratt once again and, and drill down on this productivity issue. Everything, though, gets back to energy. And I just want you to put it in perspective right now. Where do you think we are? Well, you got you get just passed this eight hundred billion dollar bill. They're all everybody's yammering about where the economy is. To cut to the heart of it, where are we on the energy policy right now? That can get the only thing that's going to get us out of this uh, is not going to be um, tomorrow from uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's not going to be any pearls of wisdom uh, from uh, Powell in the Fed. It's going to be our energy assets and our resources. Where do you think we stand today in the United States, sir? Well, we have uh, gasoline at the pump, uh, demand destruction. We're down about 9% year on year in gasoline demand, which has, you know, aided price reductions mainly. That's been the main driver of price reductions. Uh, but we, so that the uh, GDP growth being negative, uh, I'm going to suggest is um, understated, the negative, uh, the decline. The, the recession is, is here in the view of most of us. But if you want to, we, I, we left off yesterday. There probably probably five quick things could be done by the administration to okay. We've got massive exportation of natural gas. That's good for the balance of trade in the longer run. That is part of energy dominance. But what can be done that we can do both serve serve our domestic clients, our domestic folks, in the face of these uh, 16 billion of late payments now by by to utilities uh, broadcast yesterday by Bloomberg. 18 um, percent higher bills. 20% higher in Japan, 36% higher in the Eurozone, 52% higher in the UK for electricity. What can we do here? Suspend the EP blo EPA blocks on, uh, on, 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 on fracking, New York blocks on fracking, 
the issues raised in the Permian Basin on NOx emissions by the EPA suspend those. Free up, free up fracking, free up natural gas production, free up oil production in the Gulf offshore. It, open up these domestic pipelines. We talked yesterday about the Mountain Valley Pipeline, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, Michigan Pipeline number five. And I'm, I'm going to concede possibly on exportation. The DOE has to approve the exportation levels uh, from, from the major uh, LNG terminals. We could, during a crisis such as this, look at a, maybe a seven to three ratio of, you know, mandating uh, 70% domestic utilization for every 30% exported and have some balance with the supply of natural gas for a time, hopefully not forever. Uh, but then also, and this is, would be deadly to the left, shift subsidization now from um, non-reliable intermittent resources that aren't helping us part-time solar and wind over to natural gas production and coal. Move forward with that for the time being. We need more energy diversity of baseload continuous duty sources. Coal is one. Let's move forward with that and look at look at subsidization for the time being to restart that, along with subsidization to support natural gas elevation. If we're we're going to remain on the path of exporting 28 billion uh, cubic feet per day, which we're headed to, that, 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 and, and is Europe exportation on which we're making a great deal of money. Let's let's subsidize kicking that into higher gear. Finally, the the moving to motivate NATO members, the EEU, to develop the North Sea again get back to 10 million barrels a day production and associated natural gas out of the North Sea, develop the natural gas fields and frack in Lower Saxony and Germany and Poland, move forward with that. We need to motivate them to think about harvesting their okay. energy resources. They're, they're, they're think, but I, but I, I want to, we don't have time to play it, but Macron just came out yesterday and said the, the, we're at the end of the era of abundance and we're at the beginning of the era of scarcity. And people are going to have to realize they're going to have to make sacrifice, not just to defend democracy in Ukraine, but also just in the way they live. That mentality, we're at the end of the era of abundance. Is that a law of physical property dealing with our energy? No. Or is that because of human action, sir? It's because of human action. It's because of the increased and increased dependence, particularly in Western Europe. The average country there, 19 to 28 percent dependent on renewables that are part-time intermittent and basically don't work and are non-reliable you, you've got this uh, energy cost and energy shortage issue along with the greta if you will push that has caused north sea oil production to diminish by 65 percent that's a self-inflicted wound that, that we haven't run out of oil in the north sea nor natural gas germany has natural gas fields let's pursue that we don't have to have self-inflicted shortages and then he, what he's done, he also helped bankrupt EDF so he could take it over. Electricity to France is the now the country-owned, nationalized utility, was a private company. He put price caps on their wholesale, export, uh, wholesale prices twice last year and then this year. Cost them 8.6 billion euro this year, about 5 billion euro of losses last year. EDF, so he's now taken it over and nationalized it. So that, I mean, their 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 efforts and his commentary is 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 weak. It's the decisions they've made are causing this in large part on the abandonment of the production, not the use of, but the production of natural gas and oil specifically. Dave, can you hang on for a second? I want to hold you through the break. We got Dr. Bradley Thayer. We got Frank Gaffney. General Baldock's going to be up. Uh, we're on the eve of tomorrow is the first year uh, anniversary. We're going to commemorate. Of the uh, of the heroic thirteen that gave their life at Abbey Gate 
in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, Dave Walsh will be on the other side, Dr. Bradley Thayer, Frank Gaffney, and General Don Bullock. All next in the war room. Bring it on and I'll fight to the end. Just watch and see. It's all started. Everything's begun. And you are over. Because we're taking down the CCP. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. Homeowners beware. You could already be the victim of home title theft and not have a clue. Some cyber thief may have already forged his name onto the title to your home. Think about that for a second. May already have forged his name onto the title of your home and you not know it. Well, here's how you find out. My partners at Home Title Lock have a special free offer to my listeners. Now go to HomeTitleLock.com. Then simply enter your address for your free, no obligation, home title scan. This is how you discover if a cyber thief is already camping on your home's title. Look, the title to your home is the only document that proves you own it. And once he forges your title, he can take out loans in your home to forge your name, stating that he's the new owner. First things first, let's make sure your home's title is securely in your name. You can do that now by going to HomeTitleLock.com and use my promo code RADIO, R-A-D-I-O, RADIO. Then enter your address for free, no obligation, home title scan. That's a $100 value, totally free. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com, code RADIO. HomeTitleLock.com, code RADIO. Do this today, take action. War Room. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You know, where the economy's going uh, and where all this is going, it's, there's no easy solutions. They've got this thing so ground up. It's, as we said in the military, FUBAR, right? And um, since it's a family program, I can't walk you through the details of that. But Dave, I just want to make sure everybody understands this and that I keep saying these are not physical properties of the universe that have us here. This is These are decisions made by decision makers. When you said EDF and the French, that putting a banker, that's essentially the France, the French nuclear power industry that one time was considered almost the top of the game, right? That's in bankruptcy. They've now nationalized it. They got it over. Yep. And they had to do that because if that went offline, France would be, be uh, they would go tur- turn turtle on us. Germany has shut down essentially their nuclear power industry because of Greta Thunberg, an angry 13-year-old. And at Fukushima, the Japanese are at least rational. I think it was 10 or 11 years ago. That That, that is officially getting stood up today. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they had uh, 48 operating reactors. They've reopened about 35. When they're done in two years, only three won't be reopened. So they've very aggressively, actively moved forward to restart their essentially important nuclear power program. And during this whole hiatus since Fukushima, they built 13 advanced supercritical coal plants. The company I was on, the, a corporate officer of the global company that did that, Mitsubishi Heavy, we built 10 of them. So Japan has also moved in the direction of coal since Fukushima, yeah. have a diversified energy mix, baseload power, so they can industrially continue to compete with China. They, 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 yeah, they've they done get, the right they, thing. They can do the math also. I mean, they're, they know where yeah. energy cost is going for natural gas yeah. and all that. These people are we, not we, fools. 
and and Dave's very nice in the ways he says it in the technical thing of face out. It's solar and wind are, are are great concepts, but they're essentially just concepts. They're not real as far as real baseload power goes. You can't adults in an industrial society cannot make decisions based upon the small incremental uh, increments of wind and solar. That may be fine decades from now, and people can work towards that. But the people making decision about this on wind and solar is just ludicrous. It's one of the reasons the economy is absolutely completely jammed up. Dave Walsh, how do people get to you on, on, on social media, how they follow you? Steve, it's at Dave Walsh Energy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. By the way, the the story he was talking about in Bloomberg that that Cortez and I were analyzing the other day: twenty million households, twenty million households in the United States are behind are right now could have their power cut off by I think October. They're so far behind in their electric bill because it's so high. And what Dave was saying when they rebuild these in third world countries, you would have like a fifteen percent margin, understanding that people would just have to go get the energy, would never pay you because they didn't have the money. He said that's essentially. The U.S. right now has kind of got third world uh, pricing uh, reality to it because you're going to have 10, 15, maybe 20 percent of the people just can't afford it. Not going to be able to pay it. Let's go to um, as this is going on. And we always want to make sure we understand that the Frankenstein monster we've created, the, 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 uh, the World Economic Forum and the Wall Street tycoons have created in, with our mortal enemy, the CCP, the Chinese uh, financial economy, particularly real estate, is imploding before our eyes. So the tanks are not in Tiananmen Square. The tanks are in front of the Bank of China, Henan Province. I want to go to Frank Gaffney. Frank, you guys have been doing these incredible seminars every day about internal threats of how the CCP's gotten internally to us, and then you do an external threat. Walk us through, and I want to make sure everybody goes and gets the library and the archive, because where this is headed, you know, and I had Gordon Chang and Thayer on yesterday. Thayer's back today. Uh, you know, unrestricted warfare, which they've been doing ver very well on, on the cyber, the information, the economic, they're heading rapidly towards a kinetic uh, confrontation with the United States, Frank Gaffney. They are indeed. If I could just make one additional point, Steve, uh, you held up your book. Um, the last item, I think it is in the unrestricted warfare list listed in that book dated 1999 was about adding biological warfare to the techniques that they use to take us down, unrestricted warfare, not quite kinetic, but definitely murderous, uh, about a million of us so far. CCP at war.com is a great place to get this book for free. You, uh, Steve, mentioned that we're doing it every day. It just seems like it's every day. <laughs> it's it's uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, Thursdays, we have drilled down now for, I think, about three months on those sorts of techniques, the various ways in which the Chinese Communist Party is very deliberately, very patiently, very comprehensively working to subvert us. Um, and mostly we're unaware that that's even happening. You, you mentioned the, the financial sector's enabling of all of this. What's even more outrageous, which most of us, again, are even less clued up about, is that it's our money they're using to do this. It's not these oligarchs and, and, and tycoons. It's our money. It's our pension funds. It's our 401k plans and so on. When we add that into the mix, we decided that we would do a separate series at uh, one o'clock on Tuesdays. 
one o'clock on Thursdays, one o'clock on Tuesdays, Eastern time, to look at who these guys are. Who are the people that are enabling this mortal enemy, as you said, the enemy's foreign, the enemy's domestic. Um, we did a terrific program earlier this week in which we talked with a number of the folks who are very much you know, rock stars in the war room pantheon, Brian Kennedy, Trevor Loudon, Kevin Freeman, Jerry Boykin, and Brad Thayer, who's uh, going to be with us again shortly. Um, this was about a kind of report card on what not just individuals or corporate leaders or others, the United States government is doing to enable the Chinese Communist Party's war against us. It, it was looking at what Team Biden is doing to enable our mortal enemy to pose an ever greater threat. It was stupendous, chilling, but stupendous and really required viewing. And that can be obtained for free at presentdangerchina.org. Today, we don't have the video up just yet, but we will shortly. We did another one about this wolf warrior diplomacy, as it's called, as an example of the, the kinds of techniques that the Chinese is, are using to attack us. Um, in this case, to attack us uh, rhetorically. But the trouble is, as, as uh, an extraordinary group of people, including Matt Pottinger, who was a deputy national security advisor, two former undersecretaries, uh, one of state, one of uh, defense, Bob Joseph and Doug Fife. Uh, Robert Charles, an assistant secretary of uh, state, and uh, our own Gordon, uh, excuse me, uh, Grant Newsom, Colonel Grant Newsom, talked about the fact that we are not pushing back when they use belligerent rhetoric, when they demean our country, when they attack our people, um, you know, for Frank, being Frank, racist the and everything else. To, the ambassador to the United back. States just get, the ambassador done. the United the Chinese ambassador to the United States just took ninety minutes at a press conference in the nation's right. capital of the United States of America, not Beijing, to essentially lecture the American government like it's a tributary state. Frank mm -hmm. Gaffney. That was the most recent example of this phenomenon of wolf warrior diplomacy. And, and you've talked about it here on the program, Stephen, it inspired that particular webinar. And, and what the consensus of these very experienced national security practitioners were, if you don't push back when a bully is punching you in the nose, rhetorically at the moment, in this case, you're going to get a lot more punches in the nose, count on it. And so what we really I think laid out here is not only that there's a grievous shortfall in protecting our vital interests, but it is going to yeah. translate into more belligerent behavior. Okay. As well. Hang on, just stay right there. Rather, what I want to, it's all free. Tuesdays is the internal threat and the internal, um, how we're being played and infiltrated. And Thursdays is the external. Um, right. I, just hold on there, right? And it's all free. And we're, we're going to do some concise videos around that to, you know, to compress it. It's That'd so grateful. I want to go to Thayer. Thayer, your piece in American Greatness, I had to bring you back from yesterday, because you talked about the financial. The Financial Times of London is the tip sheet of the guys that got us in this jam. The City of London and Wall Street and the Party of Davos. And they had, you, you called it the other day. They actually had an editorial where they said, you know, the, the, the China and the Chinese Communist Party, we think is kind of a threat to the West. You call it their road to Damascus. What did you mean? Uh, Steve, well, thanks for having me on uh, again uh, to follow up. 
Um, like Paul on the road to Damascus, right, before uh, uh, Christ uh, uh, converted him, and, and uh, he became, of course, uh, one of the greatest Christians. It seems the Financial Times has gone through something uh, quite similar. Uh, after decade after decade of touting the advantages of um, investing in China and uh, employing the China market, um, uh, the Financial Times very recently, as you observed, uh, seems to recognize that China now is a, is a threat to the United States, a fundamental threat to the United States. So what's the cause of this Damazine conversion? Uh, they're very rare in international politics, right? History records one, and that was Paul. Uh, was the Financial Times going through another one? And is that symptomatic of a bigger uh, change? And that is, is big finance waking up to the China threat? Uh, which is the critical question. Um, and so despite the Financial Times, of course, very important uh, newspaper, as you well know, and as your audience knows, uh, the mouthpiece uh, really for big, one of the mouthpieces for big finance, uh, it's a very significant uh, editorial that they ran, but the evidence is still very mixed, whether or not big finance is waking up to this threat. And as Frank just mentioned, as Frank Gaffney just mentioned, um, we're still investing in China. Wall Street is still investing in China very heavily, allowing the CCP uh, and the People's Liberation Army uh, to raise, to participate on our financial markets, to raise money, to build weapons, to strengthen their capability, to undermine our allies and to threaten the American people uh, it, itself. So we have a long way to go. Uh, in this uh, issue before we can ensure that... Um, Dr. Thayer, Dr. Thayer, did this Financial Times of London mention anything in there about the, if we shut them off from the capital markets, from the equity and debt markets of the West and throw in a little technology, the CCP would collapse in 90 days. Did they offer any recommendations and they say, hey, they're a problem they, after any, and, the, and the solutions are right there in front of you to avoid a kinetic war. Did they offer up anything about cutting them off from capital no. markets in the West? Uh, Steve, they did not, uh, because they're still uh, very reluctant to take that step. Uh, to what, the, what they should do, of course, and what ultimately they will do uh, if a war breaks out, of course, if a kinetic war breaks out between China and the United States. But they did not uh, offer that. They're still reticent about decoupling, in decoupling in any form, uh, uh, from China. So they still aren't converted. Uh, I think it's, it's quite fair to say, despite the hope uh, that they've offered, big finance is yeah. still uh, addicted to China. And hey, 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 Dr. Thayer, hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. Frank Gaffney, Dr. Thayer, we're going to get General Bolduc in here. I'm going to throw out just a, 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 I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, I think they're not decoupling because they're still making too much freaking money right? They're still making too much freaking money and putting the deplorables money at work to finance our enemy. Nobody in history has ever had the working class people in its country finance their own demise. We've never financed, ever financed a mortal existential threat, except in the United States, in the West, in the latter part of the 20th, in the early 21st century. And Thank God, at least the Financial Times woke up to the fact they're existential threat now. We got to do something about it. Short commercial break. Gaffney, Thayer, Bolick, all next. We
Are you feeling frustrated and powerless in the face of sky-high inflation? Well, here's what you can do about it. Now, take a minute and go to this website, preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. You'll find a ready-hour, three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. It's what I call inflation-fighting food. This kit is packed with emergency meals the kind that stay fresh for up to 25 years. And these meals not only stay fresh, they stay affordable too. That's because right now, my Patriot Supply is giving you $250 off this three-month kit. Get it, and you're guaranteed affordable meals when food prices get completely out of control. In other words, you'll lock in the affordable food for years to come. When you're ready for real preparedness, make sure to look for Ready Hour Foods from my Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com and save 250 bucks on a three-month emergency food kit. It ships fast and it ships free. Get yours now, preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. Action, action, action. It's arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. By the way, all of us are putting up content 24 hours a day on Getter. Uh, everybody that comes on the show is. Of course, War Room, myself, I'm putting it up 24 7. Uh, Frank Gaffney, closing observations. We got General Bolduc coming on in a second. General Bolduc, you should know, which did such a great job in the uh, uh, last year. And we're going to play a bunch of this tomorrow as we talk about extraction under fire one year after the the, the heroic 13 that gave their life at the Abbey Gate. Um, D- General Bolduc was, went yard last night in this debate in New Hampshire. I don't know who out there in the uh, New Hampshire establishment doesn't think Don Bolduc can stand up in bench press anybody on that stage as a political figure. So we're going to put that one to bed. Frank Gaffney. Truly great American. Um, Steve, I just wanted to close this out. Uh, You know, the thing that the Financial Times hasn't reckoned with is everybody's going to lose all of their money when the Chinese go to war with us. They better wake up. There's a game going on now that I just wanted to present as signal, not noise, Steve. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that they're very close now. The so-called Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, PCAOB, with fashioning some new scam to allow the Chinese to continue to list companies in our country without subjecting them to a full audit here in the United States. What's the scam? They're going to let them do it in Hong Kong. What's wrong Mm. with that? Well, first of all, it mm. pretends that there is a Hong Kong that's different from China now. Yeah. That's not so. Second of all, yeah. it puts our auditors at risk. Who's going to go over there and, and conflict with what the Chinese say? Nobody. And third, of course, there's no substitute for doing full audits with all of the work papers here. That must be the bottom line. No substitutes. Don't even think about it. PCAOB. Uh, okay, we'll get to more of this in the next couple of days. Uh, what's the social media, Frank? So many, so few time. Uh, CCPatwar.com for the book and for where you can get the brief about China. 
presentdangerchina.com. It's it's outrageous. We're 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 financing them, and they're trying to look at every every workaround to get around that. Doctor Thayer, how can people get you? Your your piece on um, on American greatness is amazing. How can people get to you? People can reach me at the Center for Security Policy dot org uh, and at uh, Bradley Thayer at Getter and uh, Bradley Thayer at uh, uh, Truth Social. Okay, I, and I want to make sure everybody understands we're going to get up Tuesdays the internal threat, Thursdays the external. But what Frank just said there, we're think about it. They're financing it with your cash, and now Biden is. We finally got some delistings, Sinopec and some others delistings on the New York Stock Exchange. What are they doing? They're playing games again about how to, oh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just let them list in Hong Kong. Hong Kong's, they took it over. It's China now. So it's just like mainland China. What's an accountant going to go over there and argue with the, with the uh, political operative, the comrade that's in the cadre that's in the company that's supposed to report back? They'll be in some gulag somewhere. It's absurd. Uh, Bradley Thayer, thank you so much. Great piece on the Financial Times of London. Um, the tip sheet of, the, of Wall Street, the party of Davos, the World Economic Forum, all of it. Um, let's play. Can we play the clip? We don't have General Bolduc trying to track him down, but I got to play this clip last night from the debate in New Hampshire. Thank you. I believe what separates me from the other candidates up here is my connection with the Grand Estaters. I've been campaigning for two years. I've been in every town and city. Grand Estaters are angry. They are hurting. Moms are making decisions on whether they should eat a meal or not eat a meal so their children can. We have health care decisions to make. They are hurting, and I have seen it, and I share that with them. And what really perplexes me is this. The very people that shut us down, the very people that caused all our problems at the local, state, and federal level are now standing in front of you asking you for a vote, asking you to elect them, or asking you to re-elect them. I say hell no to that. They need to be held accountable and responsible what they have not done and that is take care of you and i will do that god bless you and thank you general bolick is uh went from private he's from the grand estate uh live free or die new hampshire he's a, he was a private he was a sergeant then they same to college the army was so impressed by his leadership as a young man the same to college he's one of the few generals post-world war ii to go from basically an enlisted man as a private all the way to general and he's got a storied career as Special Forces. And he was terrific last year in helping us explain what we're going to get into tomorrow. And think about it. It's been one year ago. We were doing these specials on Extraction Under Fire. And one year ago that these 13 heroes gave their life unnecessarily, thrown away by the Biden administration. They gave the ultimate sacrifice, defending their country and doing what was right. But this administration, this regime proved everything that they, they are during that time and it's only gotten worse since then so we're going to have jason jones we're going to have frank gaffney we're going to have general baldick eric prince uh everybody we're going to get down drill down what's happened in the year after that across the world globally to make it any better and get into the details and make sure that we honor the 13 that gave their life uh for their country um but i want to say something last night you know all these people run around in politics oh general all the establishment general baldick he's not no offense the guys on the stage room seem like they're nice people. They're okay people. But, you know, like a town councilman or some village mayor or something like that, all part of the Sununu machine, you, you have no experience throughout the world. This guy is a, is a, is a combat leader who's a man, man of judgment and discernment. And to sit there and think, look, I'm not saying 
people can vote for him or not vote for him. That's your individual choice. That's the that's what makes a democracy. You you can make any choice you want, but to sit there and go, he's not qualified, and he's not qualified to take on Mary, uh, take on Hassan, with the other no offense guys on the stage, that they're supposed to be blow me away. Like wow, look at that. That's so impressive. But yeah, he's qualified. Don Bolick's not. It shows you what the establishment will do. They will look at you right in the eye and lie to you to protect their sinecures, to protect their power. To, let's be brutally frank, to protect their greed. Okay, 6 o'clock, we're going to get into more of the economics of where we are as a country, about productivity, the real country, not the phony econ- economy of just printing money. Also, the crisis still of the, of the formulas for the young mothers. Nothing's being done about it. It's getting exposed every day. And, of course, we're going to talk about the vaccines, big pharma, and what's the real truth in back of the data. All next in the war room. Games you want to play Bring it on and I will fight to the end Just watch and see It's all started Everything's begun And you are over Cause we're taking down the CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all gone We rejoice when there's no more Let's take down the CCP Folks, let me tell you about Salty It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.